something that you can do that will impact your salvation in Jesus, then you believe in salvation by works. Don't get me wrong. If you know that you're either choice to drink or not to drink or the way that you choose to vote, all of those things are informed by your faith in Jesus. And you can make a very strong case that because of Jesus, I am not going to drink or I am going to vote based on one political party. Because Jesus saved me, I can do whatever I want. Because Jesus saved me, I won't drink. I'll fast. I'll be ascetic. These are two extremes, and both of them are not standing fast in the glorious liberty that's in Jesus. As Pastor Daniel explains, there is a sweet spot in the liberties that we enjoy as Christians. The believers in Galatia were drifting back towards the law, and Paul implored them not to go back into bondage because his burden is light. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Jesus is Greater Than License. Jesus is real. You know it's a bummer when you start a message with, you know it's a bummer. Because you know right from the beginning, it's getting right to that spot. So you know it's a bummer. The bummer is when you're working really hard for something, and you know how much work it is, and you know how hard it is, and then you get there, and you realize that now that you're where you wanted to get to, that took so much work, that now the real work begins. Do you ever have that experience? It's kind of like when you want to get married, right? And you find that gal or that guy, and you, and you, you get them to get engaged to you. I remember when I did that with Lynn, I got her to... to say yes to marry me before I brought her to meet my family. That's just smart on my part, you know? Because I wanted her to be in already before she met, like, the big, smothering Italian family. But, you know, you do all this work, and then, and then the wedding day, and there's all this work that goes in, and all these things, and all of a sudden, then you're married. And then you guys know that that's when the real work begins, right? Because marriage, no matter how much people love Jesus, it's hard. There's, there's work that needs to be done. It's like with, with raising kids. You can't wait to have kids. You get married, like, I can't wait to have kids. And then you have them, and you do all this work, and the nursery's great, and you're just ready to go, and you, you got your little uh, baby wipes warmer, because our baby's bums can't be cold ever, obviously, you know? And, and then before you know it, then you're up all night with the baby. And you love them, but... You get the babies born, you take a million pictures, but then the work begins. For many of you, you know what that's like. You're, you've been looking for work, and you finally find a job, and you're like, yes, okay, all this work to find this job, and then the job starts, and you realize that you got to learn all this stuff, and yeah, your job really isn't a 40-hour work week. It's more like a 68-hour work week because the amount of studying that you have to do to get up to speed to be able to do your job. Sometimes we put in all this work to get to a point only to realize that once we get there, then the work really begins. Now, why do I bring this up? Because I had this exact experience this week. Now, we're doing this series called Jesus is Greater Than Everything, right? In Paul's letter to the Galatians, we're using that hashtag, CCC Greater. Now, 
I've been telling you that the book of Galatians breaks down into three simple sections, chapters one and two, which is Paul's personal testimony. It's personal. Then chapters three and four is theological, where he's like, okay, this is what you're supposed to believe and why it's so important. And then chapter five and six is application, right? How are we supposed to live now? Now, what was amazing is, is as we are in, especially Galatians chapter three and four, and we're in this heavy theological section. I keep thinking to myself, man, when we get to chapter five, it's going to be smooth sailing. When we get to chapter five, it's going to be great. And then sure enough, as I was breaking open Galatians chapter five, I realized that this is the worst section out of all of them. And here's why. Because now, because of the truth of who Jesus is, now it becomes how are we going to live our lives? How are you going to live your life? How am I going to live my life? And because of the great work of Jesus, the life that we are exhorted to live is one of those lives that not one of us is actually getting the job done on. And so in some ways, what I realized this week was it's really great to Meet the woman of your dreams, but then the work of marriage is tough. And for a lot of us, we don't struggle with the theology of the Bible. We're all growing in what these truths mean at street level for how we live our lives, who we are, how we live, and why we do the things that we do. So without further ado, open up in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 as we enter into this application section in the book of Galatians. So we want you to be able to read along because it's so important. We have so many voices today, don't we, in the world? There's so much noise. And I don't want you for one second to think that the things that we're talking about today is my ideas. It's, these are God's word given to the Apostle Paul by the inspiration of the Spirit written to these churches. And I want you to be able to read along so you see where this stuff's coming from, not just my ideas Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read you the first 15 verses. And what's beautiful about this first message in this application series is every point is going to begin with the word let, which means it's a decision that we make for our lives, that we need to let something happen. We need to let something be part of our lives. And I'm going to encourage you at each step to let this thing stand on its own. So look at what it says. Galatians 5, verse 1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Verse 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. 
And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. Now, I've entitled today's message, Jesus is Greater Than License. And I get that from the last few verses there, specifically verse 14, where it talks about because Jesus has set us free, do not let our liberty be an opportunity or an occasion for the flesh. See, really the whole message of Galatians is about our freedom in Christ. But there is a difference between being free and honoring Jesus. See, what happens is someone says, well, I'm free. I can live however I want. No, you're free to choose not to live however you want, but to choose to live how Jesus wants you to live. And that's a huge exercise of freedom. The freedom to say, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. So although we are totally free in Christ, the love of Jesus constrains us compels us. And Jesus is greater than our ability to do whatever we want, even though we're totally free. But look at how we unpack this. Notice first, verse one, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Now, the first let that I want to encourage you with is to let Christ profit you. Let Christ profit you. I get that right out of verse 2, don't I? Look at what it says. It says, if anybody, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Now, Paul's been talking about this for a long time in Paul's letter to the Galatians. He keeps pushing on this thing. He's saying, listen, don't become legalistic. Don't be a legalistic version of the Christian faith. Don't be that. And he's saying, listen, I want you to stand in the liberty that Christ has made you free. Stand fast. What he's saying is that you've been made free. Now you need to occupy that position. That's a powerful reality, isn't it? Because if the son has set you free, you need to stand fast to make sure you stay in the freedom that Jesus has made us free in. And for the churches in Galatia and for many of us here right now, the thing that wants to take us away from the glorious freedom is a legalistic version of Christianity, where you're invited in by a church culture to keep a series of rules. And Paul's saying, no, 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 listen, you need to persevere and stand fast that you don't add anything to your salvation 
Salvation is a gift. Now, what's interesting, and as by the time we get to the end of this, the other side of the thing that entices us away from the gospel is now that I have liberty in Christ, I'm going to live however I want. So on one side, it's legalism, and then on the other side of the spectrum is license. Because Jesus has saved me, I can do whatever I want to do because I'm saved. And those are the two polar opposites that for most of us, we swing in between. Some of you right now, you would never go into, well, I can because I'm set free in Jesus. And so don't be judgmental. That's one side of it. Scholars call that antinomianism. It's the, there is no such thing as a law. Because Jesus saved me, I can do whatever I want. That's one extreme. And the other extreme is kind of Christian moralism. Because I don't drink, I don't smoke. What you do, you know, I don't do those things. And so God loves me. And both of them are not standing fast in the glorious liberty that is in Christ. So there is a sweet spot in the tension between being good moral Christians and being immoral Christians. There is this liberty in Jesus that we're supposed to stand in. And then he says, and don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, because the churches in Galatia were being influenced by Judaism and the need to keep the Jewish law, they would say that they take the yoke of the law upon them. It was a very common phrase amongst rabbis. Paul would have used that phrase before he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus. He said, listen, take the yoke of the law upon you. And so when Paul says, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, he's using a phrase that they no doubt had heard as they were being influenced to keep the law of Moses. And we're reminded that Jesus says that my yoke is what? Easy and my burden is light. See, a yoke was this structure that would be put on a beast of burden or an animal who was working in the field so they can work together. And Jesus is saying, listen, there is no weightiness in my yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you here today and you are feeling pressure and burden by your understanding of the Christian faith? See, there is great freedom in Jesus But very easily, we become weighed down, burdened with religion. Or, as many of us know, who spent time outside of Christ, the burden of slavery to rebellion against God, that's a pretty nasty burden, isn't it? We run into the arms of Jesus because we do all the things we want to do only to find that they are infinitely unfulfilling and cumbersome. So on both sides... There's this freedom, not a burden. Your faith in Jesus is not burdensome unless you find yourself in either religion or law or you find yourself in rebellion. But his yoke is easy. Now, in verse 2, indeed I, Paul, say to you that if you have become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Now, for the churches in Galatia, and it's always fun to talk about circumcision in church, right? You're all just grateful you're not me. We're going to have all sorts of fun. So the circumcision was literally the cutting away of the foreskin of the male genitals, okay? And so oftentimes people say, so why is circumcision, 
the mark of the covenant. It was given to Abraham back in the book of Genesis. Why is it the mark? And, and people would say that it's the cutting away of the flesh of that which is unnecessary. Now, I realize that I say that in this day and age, and there's somebody here who maybe you studied some medicine and you would argue with my theology of the foreskin. And if that's you, praise God. Let's not talk about that. I made the mistake last night. Like, if you have an, an evolved view of foreskin, let's talk about it in the family room. And I'm like, wait, actually, strike that. Let's not talk about it in the family room. We'll just leave you to your foreskinology. But you can read, if you want to, you can read medical research on why it's good and why it's not good. And people have these different things about it and all this stuff. But, but the idea here is that for the, Paul is not technically against circumcision because Paul was a person who was circumcised as a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob right? He actually has Timothy circumcised as they're going to Jerusalem. Very fascinating. But he's against the theology of circumcision, which says you need to be circumcised in order to be right with Jesus. See, his theology of circumcision, because later he's going to say that circumcision doesn't do good or not do it. It does nothing. But it's this idea that if I do this thing, then I am right with God. And that's why he says, I tell you, if you get circumcised, then Christ profits you nothing. And that's why I said, we need to start by letting Christ profit us. Now, maybe circumcision isn't the sticking point for you as it comes to Christian ethics and what it means to be a child of God's kingdom, but there's a lot of other things that play pretty strongly in church. Like for a lot of people, they grew up hearing, if you have a drink of alcohol, then you cannot be a Christian. Now, listen. Your choice to either drink or not drink has absolutely no salvific effect. Because if you can either not drink your way into heaven, then Jesus never had to die in the first place. Now, for other people, it's whatever political party you choose to vote along their party line. And that's especially relevant in this generation, the boomer generation. It wasn't always that way. But it's the boomer generation. You guys grabbed hold of that. And now that becomes this, man, if you, you know, like I want to see your voting record before I can come to the church that you're going to be a pastor of. Now listen, if you have something that you can do that will impact your salvation in Jesus, then you believe in salvation by works. Don't get me wrong. If you know that you're either a choice to drink or not to drink or the way that you choose to vote, all of those things are informed by your faith in Jesus. And you can make a very strong case that because of Jesus, I am not going to drink or I am going to vote based on one political party. But those things are not salvific. And that's a huge reality. Because if you think that God loves you more if you have a good day and less if you have a bad day, that God really thinks you're extra special when you read your Bible as opposed to when you don't read your Bible then really you don't believe in salvation by faith in Jesus. You believe in salvation by my own action. Now, reading your Bible is a good thing. All these things are good things, but they're not saving things. And Paul reminds him, listen, he said, if you guys want to be circumcised, don't forget, you got to keep the whole law. You're a debtor to keep the whole. If you're trying to be saved by the law, then you got to keep all of it. He talked about that in Galatians chapter 3. He talks about it in the book of Romans. He's like, look, circumcision is just the entry point. you got to keep the whole thing. And he said, if salvation can be by works, 
then righteousness would be by the law. But nobody except Jesus himself keeps the law. Only Jesus does. So the cure for legalism is a belief that Jesus paid it all, that Jesus did it all. And that's why for 2,000 years until the Lord returns, the people of God are never going to be ashamed to say, it's all about Jesus. And Jesus has done everything. And I don't do anything to add to it except reach out my hands with faith and receive. And all I can do is bring gratitude to the table. Like, okay, so what you're saying is that I can never do anything to secure my salvation except believe in the finished work of Jesus, which in itself in your Bible is called a gift. It's the gift of faith. So all we do is we reach out and we say, oh, this is so good. It's perpetual birthday spiritually, so to speak. We're in gift receiving mode. But what happens is, is for many of us, we want to add something to it. We feel like, man, I, it's really not real. And it's like, eh, no, listen, it's really real when you don't add something to it. And if you choose to add something to it, you're actually not letting Jesus profit you at all. You're saying, I don't want you, God, to do what you need to do for me. I want to do it for myself. Brothers and sisters, we got to root out the legalism in our hearts. We all have some of it and somewhere. Let Jesus profit you. Let Jesus prosper you spiritually. But it, it can never involve us grabbing hold of one part or one rule that we're supposed to keep and saying, my salvation depends on my actions. It depends on the finished work of Jesus. Now, as you move into verse 4, Notice what he says. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Now, notice that last phrase there. We need to let faith work through love. We need to let our faith in Jesus express itself into the world and in our lives through self-sacrificial love. That's really where the rubber meets the road as it relates to Christian ethics, the way that we ought to live. We need to let faith work through love. Now, this is why I said that, man, we got to chapter five and I'm like, great. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no. Because how are you doing loving people? Think about the person or the group of people that you struggle the most to let your heart embrace in love. God sees our walks through the lens of how am I doing loving people? Does my faith in Jesus express itself in love for people? And I realize that's some gnarly teaching, isn't it? Jesus is real. Today we heard about what happened to certain parts of the law after Jesus came, like circumcision. Paul wasn't saying it's not right or wrong, but it won't get you into heaven no matter where you stand on the matter. Like other things, there's nothing you can do to gain salvation. 
God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel explains what it means for a believer to justify yourself by your actions. And it's not good. Focusing on works doesn't seem like a bad thing unless it's a fall from grace. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 